This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Welcome to Wrestling Inc. after AEW Full Gear 2021. I am Alfred Kunawa, joined by my esteemed panel, as always. He's the founder of Wrestling Inc. Saturday Night Raj. Raj Geary, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? How are you doing? Good, good. And, of course, great to be rejoined by this guy. He is the weight loss king himself. He's got a great T-shirt that I hope he gets to show all of us. Uh, he is the one and only Chuck Carroll. What's going on, Chuck? Redeeming these nuts. Look at him go. You're damn right I am. I had to rep Eddie Kingston tonight. I had to rep my guy tonight. Fantastic. You're, good to you're see you. a lot of others. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I mean, you're steering the ship, Alfred, but I will say right off of the top, man, uh, this pay-per-view exceeded my expectations. I'm I'm high on what I just watched for the last four hours. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say, before we really get into step-by-step, step, of course, we're going to you know talk a little bit about the ratings a little bit. But before we do anything, I want to get your guys' overall thoughts on the pay-per-view. Chuck, you seem to really enjoy it. Raj, what did you think about AEW Full Gear as a whole? I thought it was excellent. Um, I thought almost every match was either good to great. I thought the inner circle match, I, th I thought it kind of sucked, honestly. Um, but outside of that, I thought everything else on the show was good to great. The main event was awesome. Ending was great. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic show. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I will say I kind of grade these shows on a curve based on just how like spectacular AEW pay-per-views tend to be. And on that spectrum of spectacular pay-per-views, I will say this show is maybe on the lower end of that in terms of it not being this just, you know, instantly classic, filled with great matches I'll remember for years or whatnot. But I would not say it was a bad pay-per-view or a disappointing pay-per-view, but I do think that it had a lull uh, for a little bit that I, I don't think they traditionally have. Although, you know, again, this was a good offering for AEW, I would say. Yeah, so as a yeah, lot we'll of people know, yeah, and as a lot of people know, we did a, our first ever watch-along during tonight's pay-per-view. I was on the whole time, pretty much. There were a couple no, spots where I dropped off. No, no, you weren't, dude. You went and you got dinner. You went and you walked the dog. I, I watched know, a couple like, episodes of Squid Game. I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I did. But the point being is I had the volume really low because of that. So I don't know much about how the crowd reactions were, so I'm going to lean on you guys for that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into the pay-per-view itself, let's talk real quick. Of course, the uh, fast national numbers, those overnights came in uh, Re today. Uh, real quick so, before. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, just uh, Christian James Calderon already with the super chat. Thank you, Christian. Saying, what a pay-per-view. 9.9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I, Christian, idea. are you grading on a curve? I mean, like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know if I'd give it a 9.9. .9. I mean, I'd give it like a solid eight, eight and a half, nine. Yeah, nine. I'm seeing some eights in the chats. I would go yeah. seven and a half to eight is what I would give this yeah. pay-per-view. Very enjoyable show. But That's you know eight. what? Eight. 
Christian is the kind of guy that I want to hang out with because Christian is an optimist, which means he yeah. always sees the sunny side of life. So, yeah, thank you, man. Good super chat, Christian. Have you ever had a 10 out of 10 pay-per-view? For AEW? Yes, but man, not any, for any, pro wrestling. Any, any pro wrestling. Oh, pro Yeah, no, I, I was just talking adult films. Um, <laughs> uh, no. No, man. There's always something that could be better. There's always a little bit really? something that could be better. Yeah. I would say, like, for me as a kid, WrestleMania three, just because the way that show built, there was a lot of stuff on that show that was not the greatest, but the storyline and everything that got us there, uh, I thought... I thought that was as close to a 10 out of 10 as I could get back then. I would say in the neighborhood would be Money in the Bank 2011 because it's always remembered that awesome. for that iconic match between CM Punk and John Cena. But that whole pay-per-view was excellent. I mean, they had that match between Randy Orton and Christian, which was a great match. The finish was kind of a wonky finish where it was basically Randy Orton kicking Christian in the junk. But the fans went crazy for it, and it really was a good moment. And there were a lot of really cool shows, two excellent Money in the Bank matches for that show. I thought from top to bottom that was really good. And then SummerSlam 2002 was another really just iconic pay-per-view for me. WrestleMania 17, that was pretty yeah. pretty much top to bottom. Great. Absolutely. Halloween Havoc, 93. I yeah. mean, just so good. 93. That wasn't I, the I, spin the wheel to make the deal with. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. I'm just throwing it out there, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, no, the Jake Roberts match was not great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. Some good pay-per-views there. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see in the Pantheon on long-term how full gear 2021 stacks up of course we had a major title change and whatnot but before we get into full gear 2021 we're uh, going to talk a little bit about the fast nationals wwe versus aew those overnight ratings and it looks like aew rampage uh, guarded 480,000 viewers in the overnight uh viewership uh, it's 232,000 in the 18 to 49 down about 13 percent from what last week's overnight number was while smackdown did just under 2 million at 1.99 million with 650 55,000 uh, in the eight, overnight 18 to 49. So I will say with AEW Rampage, that is a pretty scary low number. And they're just based on what the numbers have been when they come in final, it looks like it'll come in just above what the worst viewership of all time for Rampage was, which is about 502,000. So I think when their numbers are made final, it'll do slightly above that, but uh, not a good number for AEW Rampage. And honestly, I'm not surprised because this was a show that I feel like prioritized promoting the pay-per-view. It was a random show in terms of what they had compared to what they were going to go into with the pay-per-view not a lot of star power in the ring i think they were saving a lot of their guys for uh, these matches they were going to be having but really nothing in terms of must-watch television on this aew rampage show chuck how indicative do you think that that low number is going to be in terms of a buy rate for tonight's pay-per-view i always look at that as a big time indicator as far as interest and if you're drawing close to a record low the night before your pay-per-view if i'm tony khan i'm a little bit nervous i haven't seen any of those numbers come out as far as who bought the pay-per-view early yet so we don't really know but i know that during the watch along somebody was mentioning that they think that this was going to be somewhere in the ballpark of one 150 maybe 175 i think that that's awfully optimistic i'm looking at maybe 105 110 for this at the best so really yeah man i'm 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 not very bullish on this at all man i i'm i'm going the bear route for this one it didn't i i, I definitely think it's down from the last pay-per-view and i think it's going to be down from the explosion the, the exploding barbed wire match uh it might beat uh, all out, uh, not all out, uh, double or nothing, 
uh, in May. So I think it's going to be between that and this for the lowest pay-per-view number of the year. But I think it's going to do well just because you still have the the big star power with CM Punk Wrestling and Brian Danielson and then uh, Omega and Paige. I'm, I'm going to go 125 to 150. Um, to your point about the Rampage ratings, the final rating, you know, the viewership usually goes up anywhere between 3 to 10%. Yeah. should be like in the 520,000 range. Again, one of the lowest they've ever done. Um, but at the same time, it was weird. When they announced the matches on Wednesday, it's like, they didn't give people any reason to watch this show. I mean, Bobby Fish and Jungle Boy, you know who's going to win that. And uh, Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. So it was it was odd. I, I thought they'd do at least like a, a face-off between Brian Danielson and Miro, some sort of segment. Um, contract signing. Something. Well, they, they, they did do a contract <laughs> signing on Dynamite. But... I don't know. It, uh, same as Dynamite. Dynamite did a low number. Um, yeah. And that's, I would say, Dynamite is maybe definitely more of an indication of how this show might do. Uh, and it's been low. It hasn't done over a million since October 6th. And this past week, they did 912,000. People still seem to be kind of coming back from that two weeks of Saturday night preemptions. So I think that would be kind of a scary sign. So I expect them to do on the 100,000 range. Yeah, man. I, I just I think they they hit their crescendo with the last pay per view. You're coming off of that big stadium show in New York, then you got the pay per view. It's like they you just had your your debuts for Danielson and Punk, and it's like where do you go from there, right? For me, the way that I see it is there's nowhere to go but down. And these numbers have I'm not going to say fallen off of a cliff, but they've certainly gone down substantially than where they were just three months ago. So again, man, uh, I, I'm definitely taking the bear route with this. Uh, Alfred, you're saying 100,000, I think maybe slightly higher, but Raj, man, I want a little bit about what it is you're sipping because, boy, yeah. Well, they, well, they, well, they're doing better numbers now than they were doing before Double or Nothing, and Double or Nothing yeah. did in that 120-something range. So um, I, I think this will beat that. Um, I, You know, again, they are airing live on the West Coast now, which – impacts numbers a little bit but at the same time two weeks ago they were way higher than you know they did a point four four two weeks ago and that show aired live on the west coast this week they did a point three five last week it was a point three three so i don't know if it's the numbers are falling off a cliff as opposed to they just had a super hot september right and that september they you couldn't expect it to sustain and i think a lot of media outlets picked up on aew successes in september and we're acting like that's the new norm, as opposed to this is a spike. Hopefully, when they settle in, they're higher than where they were before. But that the September numbers weren't going to sustain. So I think what we're seeing now is kind of where they're going to be in that 900 to a million range uh, for total viewers, and you know the mid point threes to point three five to point four for 18 to 49. Yeah, I think that's fair. Somebody in the chat was wondering, like, if we're anti-AEW. No, 1,000% not. You know, we we just, have, have, you, have you listened to my Rob reviews? Wait <laughs> <laughs> till we get to the end of this uh, review. We'll tell you we're going to bury this whole show, you guys. Are you guys ready to bury the show or what? Yeah. Uh, Grant Yenny saying, good show, but definitely a lower Ooh. tier AEW pay-per-view. Started off hot, long lull in the middle, and then an incredible finish. 6.5 out of 10, but 11 out of 10 main event. 
Yeah, Man. I agree with that sentiment in terms of it started very, very hot, you know. And again, I'm going into this knowing that I'm going to get a high quality AEW show based on what they do with their pay-per-views. The first two show matches made me even higher on the potential of this show. And I think from there, it took a while for them to get back on track. I think that's what the bane of this show's existence. Uh, Jim Bibiano saying, is it me or could AEW work on being a bit more snug? As Raj knows, no easy way out. <laughs> Speaking of which, the new Rocky Four recut is out, and I'm oh, gonna—I yeah. gotta find time to watch that. Rocky Four. Stallone recut Rocky Four and added all this new footage, changed stuff around. Was that the one with Tommy Gunn? Nah, that's Drago. Oh, oh that's crazy! Rocky. All right, because yeah. right. I was like, you can retouch the one with Tommy Gunn all you want, and that's still gonna be the drizzling shits. <laughs> I still liked it. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite Rocky. It was on the bottom, right. but I still liked it. I'm a big fan of the Rocky franchise. Not, I don't think any of those movies were particularly bad. But yeah, maybe Rocky uh, with uh, Tommy Gunn was on the bottom of that. Uh, right. But I'm, I'm very biased toward Rocky. Yeah, same. And Creed and Creed 2, anytime they're on, I'm oh, watching. Yeah. I'm sucked in. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, AEW work on being a bit more snug. It, I don't. I wouldn't say as a promotion. I wouldn't say yes to that. I would say the opposite. I think a lot. Sometimes there's, you know, they get a little stiff in terms of the things they do, especially some of these high spots that they try. Yeah, I think so. The high spots is different. I think he means like the way they lay in the punches and things right. like that. And, That's um, what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like I could I could see that. Um, AEW is more built on the the high flying high spots, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like. It's much safer to be more snug on your punches and things like that than dropping someone on their head off the top rope. Boy, right. saw a lot of that tonight, didn't we? I mean, there yeah. was a lot of close calls. Goodness gracious. Yeah, Marcus has Aaron saying, Rampage needs to move nights. We were talking about this on the, uh, the watch along. There's just no nights, really, because if Rampage is on TNT, Tuesdays and Thursdays are kind of gone because of the NBA. So, and then Mondays you don't want to do with raw Fridays is where they're at Wednesdays. You got dynamite. So it's either Fridays or Saturdays. Well, neither yeah. night is going to be particularly good for drawing in viewership at all. You know? So, I mean, they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. And even though the numbers are going down and even though you who say that we are anti AEW, you're way off base because I will say that the numbers that they're drawing are still far superior to the majority of shows that are on cable and they're holding their own. You know, you got to remember that there are college football games now on routinely on Friday nights. So they're always competing there. And they're holding their own. So even though the viewership is slipping, I'm not mad with the numbers. If I'm TNT, I'm still not mad at the numbers. It's really going to depend on what the reruns were doing in that spot before they added Rampage and if it's worth the cost and whatnot. Hojo <laughs> <Jeez>. 2 go <laughs> Bolinsky sings. Snug like Matt Hardy's elbow drop on Rampage. Uh, Matt Hardy tried to defend it by retweeting a fan who said, Hardy was simply trying to make noise to make it sound like he hit a move. <laughs> it's like why? Why would you drop an elbow on empty space as opposed to Orange Cassidy anyway? Like that take would, the, yeah. Take the L, Matt. Like we all love you. We know you're a legend. <laughs> yeah, we all, all miss. You know, we all make mistakes, man. Just take the L. Yeah. Damn, that was a good super chat right there. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Marcus saying move earlier. Then I think Saturdays earlier would be better. I think the reason they don't want to move earlier on a Friday is because you don't want to go against SmackDown. Because then the narrative every week is how much how badly SmackDown beat Rampage. 
Right. But yeah. then on Saturdays, if you do that routinely, you know, Tony Khan does not want to go up against the NFL. You've got the late season Saturday games plus the playoffs. College football Saturday. I mean, Tony Khan has reservations about doing pay-per-views on Saturday, even though we did see one tonight because of college football. And so they really want to be wary about college football, especially with the AEW. Yeah, I think he means more regular season because I think the first um, the first AEW one hour special uh, Battle of the Belts is going to be against uh, the, uh, the NFL. It's it's the uh, the postseason stuff. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, the playoffs. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tough, man. And last um, one, and then let's get into the show. Sure. <laughs> J Flame saying Punk and Eddie felt real to me. Uh, felt <laughs> real, and to me was the match of the night. And that was actually the shortest match on the show, right? Yeah, 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 it was. And that doesn't surprise me, but I mean, I love what they're doing with uh, Eddie Kingston and CM Punk, and we'll get into more of that in terms of how we felt uh, about that particular match. Uh, but before that, let's kick off this pay-per-view, talk about the first match, Full Gear 2021. We opened with MJF versus Darby Allin. Hell of an opening match. Uh, we get a lot of crazy stuff right out top. I love the fact that MJF did a headlock takeover because he did comment that he was going to beat Darby with a headlock takeover, which caused Darby to get angry during a promo. Uh, but then we saw um, Coffin drop on the apron, Powerbomb Spinebusters, Tombstone on the apron uh, by MJF to Darby Allen. We had an Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko type exchange, which was a, a theme throughout the night, as we are tonight, uh, the anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's death. Um, and which was in, he died in Minneapolis. Yeah, he did in 2005, 16 years ago. So we got a lot of Eddie tributes throughout this show, which I thought was really cool. And the finish came when MJF tried to get Darby Allen to use a skateboard because, again, the story of this match is can Darby Allen beat MJF in a straight-up wrestling match? Uh, Darby decided not to, like a true babyface, but then like a true heel, MJF used a diamond ring to knock him out while the ref was distracted. MJF picks up the dirty win. And uh, guys, I don't know about you, you know, I know that this was very kind of predictable that Hangman Adam Page was winning tonight, but just seeing MJF win a match of this caliber told me uh, Hangman Adam Page is definitely winning and they're getting the heels ready for him. What did you guys think about this match and MJF winning Chuck? Yeah, I, I like this match, and I was actually really impressed with what MJF was able to do in the ring. We've always known that he's a better talker than he is a wrestler, and I think that we might have seen you know him wrestle one of the best matches we've ever seen him do. You know, like the chain wrestling that he did was phenomenal, and I I was shocked when I saw him do a bridge and uh, the bridge on the, on his toes. Man, I was like, damn. MJF was able to do that? Like, I was like, okay, sir, I see you. Good luck topping this in the future, man. But I, I was really proud to see that progression. And uh, and Darby, I mean, Darby, he's going to remain strong uh, even, even in the L here. So big fan of this opener, man. I mean, it just blew me away. The whole pay-per-view exceeded my expectations. This match, perhaps more so than any other, did mm -hmm. the exact same. Yeah, I thought this was awesome. Uh, I love the uh, I love Darby's entrance to begin with. You know, like it just made it feel special. It, uh, you know, I, I miss like WWE back in the day. They do those special entrances, and I loved it. And then they stopped doing it, but they do it at takeovers, which really made the matches feel that much more important. And then you know they eventually stopped those. Um, but I like when they do stuff like that because it it make, makes the talent stand out and. Uh, it just gives it an extra big feel. I thought both guys were excellent in this match. Um, you know, one of the big criticisms I have with the AEW is they kick out of too much stuff. Like last week, Pac hit, who was it he hit with a brain buster off the top rope and the guy oh, kicked out? Dax Harwood. That was scary. Dax Harwood. 
you that's a move that should paralyze you. Yes. And when you're kicking out at two, all it does is tell everyone, yeah, you got the whole crowd being like, one, two, oh! Yeah, you got that. But also you're telling everyone you did the move in such a way that it didn't hurt the other guy that much. For how devastating it should be, it didn't really hurt the guy. And they did a similar spot in this match when MJF did the tombstone on the ring apron. But instead of doing the one-two shock face... They went, you know, uh, MJF sold his knee like he hurt his knee and they went outside the ring, which I, I really dug that. So you hit a move that looks like it should be devastating and you don't just do a one, two kick out. And there were just little things like that in this match that I really liked. And um, I thought this was my fa- second favorite match of the show. It's my favorite match until the main event. The only thing I didn't like was when they were doing the, the rolling around the ring. It looked a little too silly for me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no, but outside of that, it's a, I got to nitpick something. But outside of that, I thought this match was fantastic. Yeah, they set the bar for throughout the night as terms of like the what the best match is going to be. I think they set a really high bar early on, and this was just a really really good match to start the show. MJF is awesome. Yeah, good. So it looks like he might be in contention because I mean he just keeps winning. Very rarely do they beat him, and now we have a babyface champion for the first time in about a year. And uh, you know I think MJF might be one of the first people to get that shot. Yeah. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. So we go into FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers are starting to corner the market on superstar entrances. They had another one here in full gear that I thought was really cool. Uh, FTR, of course, your AAA Tag Team Champions challenging for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, we get another AD tribute at one point. Ray Phoenix is just going wild. He has three amigos and a frog splash. I thought he was so good. Uh, the finish was kind of confusing. It came when uh, Wheeler tried to use his green mask. The ref noticed it and put an end to it. And then Penta and Phoenix spiked Wheeler to the mat and won. But Wheeler was not the legal man. So uh, it looks like they're going to maybe continue this feud because they illegally won this match. But there was a lot going on with this. I thought everybody shined in terms of double team maneuvers. But once again, I mean, maybe I'm biased because he's like my favorite in AEW. But Ray Phoenix, I thought, was incredible in this match when he was working with the ropes and doing his thing. What did you guys think about this match as a follow-up to the hot opener, starting with you, Raj? I, I thought this match was awesome, too. I thought it was really good. My, my nitpick, Eddie passed away 16 years ago today. Don't kick out of the frog splash. Yeah. Just don't do it. Miss it. Whatever. Don't don't kick. And, and, you know, Jericho did win with the frog splash later. but That's part of the problem is that he won with the frog splash and they kind of undermined it with this one. Right, yeah. Just have him miss it or something. Or, or, he, or he gets pulled out of the ring. He, he won, two, pulled out of the ring. Um, but I, I thought the action was great. I love the entrance again. I'm big on stuff like that. I, I'm big on stuff that makes the show feel bigger and the the talent feel bigger. I thought it was great. Again, this this show started off on such a bang between this and the MJF match. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And Ray Phoenix, at some point, this guy has got to go on a single stair. And you know, Pentagon's awesome too. But Ray Phoenix is he's our generation's Mysterio. Uh, that's a bold statement, but you know what? I think that you could be spot on here. Uh, really liked everything about this match, Raj. I'm just going to double down on what it was you said uh, up until the finish. The finish, I thought, was kind of lame, but 
the positive side to that is clearly you have the announcers mentioning that he wasn't the right guy. So you know that this feud isn't over yet. You know that they still have more to go. And after what we saw tonight, I mean, I'm all for another match. I mean, bring it on. Give it to me on Wednesday. Like, I want more. Right. I was a big, big, big fan of this match. So you look at the the opener, you look at this match. So far, AEW was two for two on the night, man. I was very, very, very pleased with this one. Yeah. All the tributes to Eddie and no one did the untied boot, which I was yeah, disappointed or in. One of those spots where he's doing the cheating to win, which is right. Yeah. Like throwing the chair at the other guy. And, yeah. yeah. We didn't even talk about Vicky in the buy-in. I mean, how do you think she was feeling tonight? You know, all of these tributes and people chanting Eddie while she was out there by the ring. I mean, this had to have been a really emotional night for her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh yeah. We didn't mention the buy-in. So the buy-in saw, uh, Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida beat um, Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter. Yes. Okay. Any thoughts about this match in particular? I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was uh, good. I thought it was good. It was okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we talked about it being two for two. Uh, now we get into Brian Danielson versus Miro. And I like that you said that it was two for two. That's exactly how I kind of saw this because I felt like they went to such a high pace that now the fans are coming down just a little bit and it maybe took a little longer to get them into this match. But as a match, I absolutely love this because they're very technical, brawling. Miro's getting stronger as the match goes on. At one point, he starts just not only no selling Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson's offense, but asking for more of it. And uh, they continue to play on Miro's neck, which is his vulnerable spot. So Brian Danielson went from a top rope, looks like Tornado DDT. But they did kind of seem to botch this a little bit because they went straight into the guillotine submission. And I felt like the crowd was confused. So as good as I thought this match was, I feel like it might have been silly a little bit by the ending. But again, you get another match with Brian Danielson where he wins with a different submission. They played into Miro's neck. Miro's looking up at God throughout the match. Uh, the longer he wasn't able to win it, so they're doing that. Uh, but Brian Danielson beating what I thought was a piping hot Miro and setting up to be the first challenger, it looks like, for Hangman Adam Page. Do you agree with this, Chuck Carroll? What did you think about the match? I do. And uh, a lot of people are, are kind of surprised that Brian Danielson went over here. They were thinking, well, it's got to be Miro. Miro is a heel. You're going to need that uh, for Babyface or, or for uh, if, if Hangman Page is going to go over, right? And, and sure enough, Hangman Page did. Here's the thing, though, right? You saw that. I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to even bring this up now, but I, I will tease by saying I'm not altogether convinced that we still won't have a heel versus baby face for the championship. And all I'm going to say is Brian Danielson is going to remain the baby face and we'll leave it right there. But the match itself was absolutely fantastic. I, I, I enjoyed it. You're right. There was that one confusing spot. So not going to give it five stars. I'll give it eh, four, but you know, Brian Danielson, Miro, it's just not going to disappoint. It, and, and it didn't disappoint. So I like it. I like the finish. I like where this is headed. Uh, and, and I'm real interested to see, how Brian Danielson's push to the championship goes. But am I incorrect in assuming because you had a title change tonight, the odds of him actually taking the title? I don't know if it's going to be at the next pay-per-view, but it's got to be low, man. I'm not seeing this being a short-term run. So maybe you can call this one a little bit of an empty victory, but still a hell of a match. Yeah, I thought um, I thought the match was really good. He, he, I mean, this kind of tells you just the run that Brian Danielson's been on because it's probably not his best AEW match yet. Probably his worst in a lot of ways because they've all been great. 
Uh, and he's just been on such a spectacular run right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I figured Daniels, Danielson was going to win. He just came, you know, he just debuted at the last pay-per-view. I think it's too soon to beat him. I, I had given my predictions at the beginning of our watch-along, and I, I'd gotten them all right tonight as far as the major matches go. Yeah. And um, so, just tooting my own horn a little bit. So, you know, whenever you guys want to give me some props, that's fine. <laughs> but, uh... Congratulations, Sunday Night Live, not missed. <laughs> no, but... I'm not surprised by Brian Danielson winning, but just selfishly, I was cheering for Miro to win, not only because he's been so good, but, and you know, Chuck brings a good point. We will get into it later on in terms of how the main event went down and whether, you know, what's going to happen with Adam Page, but Adam Page now, assuming he's going to be a babyface champion, he needs heels, and this is a heel who's, they were kind of gifted this opportunity with Miro being able, he's so hot, he's inserted into the tournament, and had he won, now you've got not only MJF, but Miro waiting in the wings for uh, your babyface world champion. Yeah, that was the only problem with doing Omega versus Page, is that with this storyline, Page had to win. It kind of buries him if he doesn't. But by doing that, you kind of lose Omega versus Punk, Omega versus Danielson, at least for now. Because they don't like doing the quick title chains, uh, quick world title changes in AEW. So, and, and you can still do them without the title, but it's not as big. You know, adding the title in the mix is much bigger. So it's the right move to have Paige win, but at the same time, business-wise, it probably would have been better to have Omega win just because you have those two giant matches. And both of those are big pay-per-view matches. So, um, yeah, because, you know, Paige versus Danielson just doesn't have the right... Uh, marquee value. I mean, it's still a big match, but it doesn't feel like a dream match by any means, like those those other ones. So, you know, I, I mean, you could go, uh, you could go Hangman versus MJF too. Yeah, they just don't feel like big pay per view main events, if you know what I mean. They don't, but remember, I mean, they've been doing big matches on TV, and I think that if you did the initial one on TV, you played that one right, then you can graduate that to a pay-per-view caliber main event. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the future holds, but Raj, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we get into Jurassic Express and Christian versus the Super Click, which is the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. Young Bucks are doing their heel best in these outrageous bright purple outfits nick jackson with his purple mustache these guys are so good at being heels uh now we get adam cole getting bloodied uh concerto tease from jungle boy doesn't want to do it a lot of crazy spots christian dive from the balcony um we get that triple team camel clutch that uh, super quick likes to do but this time thumbtacks in jungle boy's mouth i will say there was a lot going on but i felt like the camera had a tough time keeping up uh, I felt like there were some miscues in terms of this. And uh, you're talking about, you know, how uh, match after match with Brian Danielson, we have a high standard, and this might have been his weakest match against Miro, despite being a fairly good match. I feel the same way about this with the Young Bucks. This, I think, was their worst pay-per-view match. I don't think there's any arguing that this was their worst pay-per-view match. But they've had so many classic matches, this just was not on that level. And I do think that people were expecting this type of knockdown, dragout match to be something along those lines. But this really didn't deliver for me in terms of Jurassic Express and Christian versus Super Click, Chuck. Is it is it just because, like you said, they've had so many good ones? It's it's so hard to live up to that. To that, um, could be spoiled, but there were a couple of miscues too. They, this match was not without its faults. That that's true. That's true. The creativity was there. I mean, the yeah. knee pads that had the tacks on it that was pretty creative. Uh, the thumb. But then they the hit mouth. it on a guy who's wearing a mask. Right. Right. So I like, mean, you know, the, the one 
person is not going to hurt at all. Don't don't, don't overthink certain things, Raj. <laughs> it will only make your head hurt, my friend. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, but but then the thumbtacks in the mouth. I thought that that was just insane. Um, yeah. I, they I, they did that before, right? Uh, with um, I don't think they have. They did I, the I thumbtacks in AEW. Yeah, um, AEW I, did the thumbtacks, and maybe it wasn't the Young Bucks doing it. Someone in the chat remind me where they did the thumbtacks in the mouth. It might have been. I don't think it was the Nick Gage match, but. Maybe Lance just, Archer. Ooh. It makes me nervous, though, man. I mean, if you swallow one of those things, you're yeah. you're in a bad, bad way. Um, but it, it goes to show, like, how far he's willing to go. I thought that the storytelling in this match was really good, right? So I really like the fact that Jungle Boy didn't want to do the concerto at first. He's conflicted, and then at the end, he just, boom, you know, just nails it. Um, so I was like, all right, that's good storytelling. There's some emotion there. Um, kind of reminiscent of uh, the old ECW arena with uh, New Jack jumping off of the balcony. So we saw Christian have his his fun uh, going into the stands and, and jumping off the top like that. But, you know, this match was what it was. Uh, definitely not one of the best ones for the night. But the storytelling was there, so I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Uh, <laughs> King Mike 307 with a good question. Why don't you just spit him out? <laughs> Again, they, they were holding his face, right? When they put him in, did they keep holding his face? Uh, I don't think they did. No, no, no. Well, yeah. okay. Adam Cole did have a camel clutch, so theoretically, you could argue that maybe he had his mouth cut, but his hands weren't around Jungle Boy's mouth to where he couldn't spit him out. So that is a good point by King Mike. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Britt versus Abaddon, That's and okay. Lucha versus the Bucks cage match. They did it. Um, well, that's going to go wrong one of these days. One of these days. I, yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, Grant Yanni saying thumbtacks, <laughs> knee pads on Luchasaurus looks like when people would chop Roman wearing the vest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that being said, I, I, I like the match. I, this was, um, it was a little bit of a downer from the first, uh, you know, few matches uh, of the night. Uh, I think a lot of people, just the bar is so set with the Young Bucks. Um, I do love that it's a street fight. So Christian Cage, he's like wearing jeans and yes. a t-shirt, and the Young Bucks are wearing bright neon pink, <laughs> <laughs> which is which I think is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really enjoyable. It wasn't the best thing of the night by far. It was a little bit where, you know, you were talking how the there was a lull in the middle of the show, and I felt like this was kind of where it, it started because this match also. Didn't really have any stakes. It was just kind of it was just kind of there. It didn't matter who won. Uh, I just kind of thought Adam Cole is his first pay per view. I was kind of hoping to see him get the win, but it didn't really matter either way. But um, yeah, I thought I, it was good, but it was definitely where the lull kind of started for me for a little bit. Yeah, and, and I will agree that the lull continued into this next match. We got Cody and Pac versus Andrade and Malachi. Uh, and, of course, with this, um, really not a lot of storyline development in terms of this particular tag team match. We have been telling stories with Andrade and Pac and with Cody and Malachi Black, but this was on short notice. Uh, fans, Now, this is where I was in, actually, the watch-along with you, Raj, mm -hmm. uh, so we weren't able to hear completely what was going on. But it, the chat was letting us know that fans were booing Cody. Uh, we, I thought this was a good tag team match. I actually did think that this was a good match, but the crowd had come down a little bit. We do get the can, can they coexist spot, the vaunted can they coexist, where Pac accidentally hits Cody with a suicide dive, but then Pac is able to pick up the win over Andrade with a black arrow. Uh, what did you guys think about this match, starting with you, Raj? Eh, I, I feel like I've seen so many variations of this match over the past couple months that 
Eh. Um, you know, uh, I feel like Cody beat Malachi Black too soon. I felt like that should have been the singles match on this pay-per-view as opposed to a tag match. Um, because there is a, such a thing as momentum when you first come in. I'm not saying Malachi should go undefeated for years and years. I'm just saying, you know, when he's hot, don't beat him yet. And I don't think he should have been beaten yet. Like, he he seems like he's already cooled off uh, a bit. And this match just felt there. Like, Malachi didn't feel as hot as he did two months, uh, even a month ago. Um, yeah. That's like, what but like who does feel as hot as they did a month ago? Like that's that crescendo I was talking about earlier, right? It's so hard to carry that wave of momentum, like that significant momentum forward. I mean, it's it's just so hard. Uh in the chat, let me know three uh wh- how would you rate this match out of 5? I'm going to give it a 3. Out of five here, uh, I really enjoyed it, particularly uh, the Andrade and Pac spots. I thought that that was a lot of fun. Um, Pac, though, man, I don't know if you guys, you were doing the watch along, so I don't know if you saw this one, uh, but Pac took a really nasty DDT uh, on the apron. Like I, It looked to me like he really came down uh, on his head. I was like, oh, sh- that's going to f- that's gonna leave a mark, but yeah, uh, he was that. able to continue on. But that was pretty wicked. Um FTR at the end. Uh, I, I mean, I, I get it. It was just a little bit confusing. Uh, I was like, what? Really? We just, I mean, so that's why I yeah. give it a three out of five. Um, yeah. And it looks like, ooh, looks All like right, that. Here we go. Yeah, here we oh, go. Oh, some, some really some two, two and a half. Blue two. scores. Threes and fours, but twos and threes looks like the two no. and a half. Oh, it looks like two three. and a half. Cleave. Cleave going. Oh, there's a couple, a couple good ones here. <laughs> I'm going right, to here, 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 here. I'll hold on. I'm not Garris, is, Garris is trolling here. <laughs> but seriously, though, like if, if you rated it four and you're serious about it, like what what are you seeing that we're not here? I, I'm not seeing this as a four star caliber yeah. match. We like all we all like different things. Yeah, I think booking this particular match, I think the fault is on AEW because these are all talented performers. We even have two storylines that have managed to get over with fans. But this tag team match, it's just it felt like they were doing this just to get them on the card. And I don't think that's acceptable. I think they could have had a match for Cody, who's really rising as a hot character. Whether or not he's getting the reactions he wants to get, he's really rising as a very polarizing, very compelling character as to how these fans receive him. And they could have done something in a singles match with Cody, or not had this match all together, honestly. Uh, but I don't think that they should have had this tag team match on the show. Yeah, it was kind of weird that they did the third Malachi-Cody match on, what was it, Rampage Dynamite? It was one of those that was on one of their least viewed episodes. So I feel like that match deserves a pay-per-view. That would have been felt way more important than a random tag match. Yeah, and, and like I that storyline got rushed. It, it went. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. It, you know, you, they were talking about Arn Anderson. It was kind of like Cody getting the eye of the tiger back, and then all of a sudden, like two weeks later, he beats Malachi. It's like he got it back in two weeks. He was, you know, burning his tie in a fire, and then two weeks later, he beats Malachi. So I, it just felt rushed. I 100% agree that it has been rushed. And maybe, again, I still think it would have been too soon to have Malachi Black suffer his first loss at full gear. But if the story is they're going to build to full gear with these extra weeks they had, maybe they could have done it to where this is a fitting time for Cody to win. But, uh, yeah, I think the storyline might have peaked early is what happened. Yeah, and then this match ended with Pac pinning Andrade. And I feel like 
we've seen them beating each other so much on Rampage over the last few weeks. Like, I give WWE crap for repeating matches. They've done Pac and Andrade, you know, quite a few times already. Do you think by bringing in so many names, AEW kind of backs himself into a corner where you have these rehash angles and, and for whatever reason you fall into that WWE trap where you see the same crap week after week after week after week. Is this one of those instances here, do you think? I think it's the opposite in terms of them falling into patterns where there's talented people who disappear from television for months on end and they are not able to cycle them in the way that maybe somebody would figure they should be. You know, you've got people like whether it's Sheeta, whether it's even Cody, I think I know Cody has to take time off and he leaves and disappears. But Malachi Black is now in that kind of role where even though he had a match tonight, he kind of fell to the wayside after losing to Cody. Yeah, you would think with them bringing in this many people, it allows them to mix up the matches that much more. Yeah. And they do a better job of that, you know. Uh, again, I don't want to turn this into a WWE-AEW thing, but they don't repeat matches near as much as WWE. I mean, it's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. It, it, the, the dynamic... This was the one that they've been repeating a lot. Yes, yes. This is something, and hopefully the fact that the babyface won so emphatically is a sign that they're done with this and they move their separate ways. But it's yeah. very similar to the dynamic between old WWF and NWA, where WWF, if they had a hot match, they would just drive it into the ground as soon as possible. NWA would save their hot matches to, for the year-long buildup to where us getting there again, and that seems well, to be the philosophy that well, what, what year WWF are you talking? Because WWF, well, talking they did like Hogan Savage, they did the yeah. the year build. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, yeah, in the '90s and the '80s, when I'm talking about old school territory, NWA, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, the gotcha. Flair era of NWA when they were going yeah, 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 yeah. WWE is definitely capable of that. Brock Cena is another example, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So we have uh, Britt Baker versus Ty Conti is your next match. This is the AEW Women's World Championship, and I will say that this for me is when the lull started to end because I thought this was a really good match. I thought that they really overachieved based on where they were slotted, based on you know the fact that I think a lot of people, everybody thought that Britt Baker was going to win, but they had a very good competitive match. We saw Ty Conti kick out of two curb stomps. Um, the finish was very interesting in that Britt Baker looks like she's going for a lockjaw. Uh, but it was very close, and she actually turned into a roll-up, almost got rolled up herself by Ty Conti, but was able to barely get the victory and squeak out a win over Ty Conti. So I don't know if there's going to be a rematch. I don't know if they're doing that to keep Ty Conti strong moving forward, but I thought this was a very good match, and Ty looked really good. Chuck? Yeah, yeah. I hope that they do keep Ty kind of in that upper echelon uh, of the women's division. My concern, though, and my perception of the women's division has been if you're not champion and you're not a challenger for said championship, there's really not a whole heck of a lot of room for you. I mean, we saw the, the women on the buy in. Right. But how you know, how many people is that match really going to resonate with? So where does Ty go from here, even though she looked fantastic and she should stay strong, even in defeat here coming off of this match? It was great. But where does she go from here, right? Like, how many big slots are there uh, for the women right now? There aren't a whole heck of a lot. But I do hope, I really do hope that they continue to groom her to be one of the bigger names in the women's division because she clearly showed tonight that she can carry that torch. I was really, really pleased with this. This is a match, in my opinion, that also overachieved. So big fan of this match. Um the only note that I have here is that uh, Ty took a, another awkward drop 
uh, on the apron. I mean, did you see that? It was, I believe she kind of landed on the corner of, yes. of the apron. Okay. She's going to be sore as hell when she wakes up tomorrow. No doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, thought, I, I agree with you, Alfred. I thought the lull kind of was coming. It was coming back up with this match. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Uh, I wonder if anyone in the chat was keeping count. Uh, I do like how AEW keeps time limits. But it felt like there were there were at least a couple matches that went over twenty minutes that they didn't do any kind of time limit warning or anything like that. Mm. Um, very interesting. Yeah, I just I'm a stickler for the rules, man. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Look, AW doesn't do you know they're very lax with the rules and how the officiating is. That's one of my big right. criticisms. That's one country. of my big criticisms too. Is if you're if you're hitting someone with a jukebox in front of the referee, then <laughs> what are we doing here? Like you could you just pull out a knife. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying. I mean, at watch. some point, you need some. You, either don't do stuff that'll get you DQ'd to um, preserve the integrity of what you're doing, or use a DQ once in a while. I, I don't. Th- I don't think you should do it like WWE, where there's multiple ones on every show, but. Once every five months, just to show that there are rules and you can get disqualified, um, I, I think they need to do that. Uh, but that being said, I thought this match was really, really good. I thought it was one of Britt Baker's best matches. Ty Conti has, imp- gosh, she's improved immeasurably over the last year. Um, I, I think she just looks fantastic. So, yeah, I thought this was really good. Ty Conti, I could see her one day being champion. And I could also see her being a great heel, too, down the road. Oh, yeah. I could see her bullying because she's a really, really phenomenal athlete in a black belt in judo. And that uh, judo style, similar to how we saw Ronda Rousey, when you're a heel and you're you're just like this bully who's ragdolling somebody, that's something that I think Ty Conti could do really well as a heel. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but um, where does she go from here? I mean, somebody in the chat was just mentioning Ruby Soho. Where where was Ruby Soho? The only time that we saw her tonight was, I believe, in a montage where she was breaking up some random skirmish backstage, right? And she was like the the big thing, you know, as recently as the Arthur Ashe Stadium show. So it's like they they need to figure out some way to elevate some more women here, or at least keep them elevated. And Ty Conti is a, a perfect person to do that. So I really hope that they figure out a way to do it. And they do I have the TBS, TBS title coming. Yeah, so hope exactly. that, ah, there you go. There you go. So yeah, that should open be up one way that they're pretty much going to have to. And if they book it anywhere near the level of the TNT title, which is, you know, been like a one B to the AEW world championship, then the women will definitely benefit uh, from that. I think this has been a problem with WWE and AEW uh, is that with the women's division, often they'll only book the title, you know, whoever's champion, a program for that, and then not really much strong underneath. And uh, it's it's like it has to be a title picture or otherwise it doesn't get much attention. And I think I think both companies need to work on that. And, you know, when Ronda Rousey was in WWE, that it was a little different and, and they were starting to move away from that. And now it's kind of getting back to it. But, um, yeah, I think uh, actually, you know what, WWE, they did start Dewdrop and Bianca and some yeah. other underneath feuds. So we'll see how that goes. But I just think meaningful feuds that aren't title feuds in the women's division are needed. Yeah, and one feud, and this is a conversation that came up during the watch along, is perhaps maybe in the future Anna Jay versus Ty Conti. I think they do a good job matching as an actual tag team. Um, it is a little early for something like that, which is what we kind of concluded, but this is one of those underneath feuds that's based on a storyline that you know people can get in based on how much time they spent together. Yeah. 
So uh, our next match um, on this uh, thriving, let's get back. Okay, here we go. It is a CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Some people, uh, myself being one of them, this is a match I look forward to more than any. Uh, this is a very personal feud. Uh, we have CM Punk coming out in his Muay Thai trunk. So another iteration of CM Punk gear. Before we get into this match, where do you guys rank this gear uh, compared to his tights, compared to his trunks? Uh, where does the Muay Thai CM Punk gear rank for you, Chuck? Above the longs, uh, you know, so I, I call these mid-card. Mid card <laughs> above the longs, the, this was mid card ring attire. It reminded me of like Apollo Creed, but with the, the Chicago uh, instead of the U.S. Yeah. flag. It, I, I, it was distracting to me. I don't know why, don't know why it, it shouldn't be. It's like when Cody got his neck tattoo. I just could not stop paying attention to it for like weeks. It just, it was just something's wrong with me but same thing in this match uh the, the the those shorts bothered me but outside of that i thought this was great uh yeah, it the, wasn't overly long right. it was physical it felt real it felt like there was real tension there eddie is fantastic um i cannot believe that he's been it's taken this long for him to be discovered but at least it finally happened and um yeah i thought it was great uh, you know i i hope and i liked that Eddie didn't shake CM Punk's hand after the match. Punk won. I think everyone saw that coming. But I like that Eddie didn't shake the hand. And hopefully they take this in other levels and uh, and it doesn't end here. Yeah, before we get to, to you, Chuck, just to run down some of the highlights of this match, I too thought it was really good. I like the fact that it was the shortest match on the card because it was going to be a fight and they really did emphasize the fighting. Uh, they really tried to make Eddie Kingston the heel in this match. I know there's been some shades of gray. There's always going to be support for Eddie, but like right off the bat, before the bell rang, he hit a spitting back fist and did the heel shit-eating grin. And But these fans... I would Why didn't say he go for the pin? Did the bell not ring yet? Exactly. Yeah, the bell had not ring yet, so they were, okay. and, you know, part of the story of this match of subtext is that Eddie Kingston is not interested in winning the match. He just wants to inflict pain on CM Punk. But I would say it was 60-40 in favor of Eddie in terms of the reaction. Uh, CM Punk bled early on. We got a five-knuckle shuffle tease from CM Punk, who had seen his comeback. So kind of leaning into these heel reactions he got. There were parts of this match where Punk looked around at the fans like, you're booing me? And I will say, as much as I love this match, all the middle fingers, all them punching each other in the face literally at some point, uh, Punk did win with the GTS. We did see an Eddie Guerrero tribute from uh, CM Punk doing the Three Amigos, which did get booed. I think we're setting up for a double. They got booed. They, like, yeah. Again, I couldn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, they were. They, you know, I guess the Eddie Kingston backers were the ones who were most vocal about it because there was definitely support for CM Punk in this match, but I would say it was skewed toward Eddie. And it just seems to me that they might be headed to possibly a double turn at some point. Who knows? I, I hope do so. Them doing a, a rematch, and I just love the energy they've created around these two checks. Yeah, I, I really liked it. And I think that they did a really good job of building toward this match. There are so many elements of realism uh, toward this, right down to Eddie Kingston's incredible article uh, recently yeah. in the Players' Tribune. And I don't know if you guys even saw it. The front row, there was a sign that said mental health, Patna. So you know that you're over when you're out of the rank cause is making it um, into the arena. So very good job there. Uh, I'm wondering, though, like – is the, it like you were just talking about this? Is this the beginning of heel Kingston? You know, like, is that where it goes or is Punk going to become the heel here? Right. So because Kingston lost and Punk's just an a-hole in Kingston's eyes, he doesn't shake his hand. Does that necessarily mean that he's going to be the heel here? Or is it like 
Punk's just the a-hole and Punk needs to be the heel here. I don't know. But what I do know is the same way that I was just adv advocating for uh, Ty Conti. I'm going to advocate here for Eddie Kingston and hope that he doesn't get knocked down the car too. I really do hope that they carry forward all of this momentum here because this is a guy, they have stumbled across him and he is a gem. Like this is 20 years in the making. This guy is a gem. He's right for it. He's clearly over with the fans. You're going to be hard pressed to find many people in that locker room who are better on the microphone than Eddie Kingston. So um, I'm, I mean, this this guy is gold, and I really do hope that they continue to push him uh, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I do think I, I agree with some of these, some of the people in the chat. Punk needs to go heal ASAP, says Braylon Dulak. And I do what I want, says heal Punk is the best. I agree. I think Punk is just so much more interesting as a heel. Uh, but it did look like before uh, John Moxley, and we wish him the best, obviously, but uh, before... Uh, he he went to rehab. It did look like they were going John Moxley as a heel, right. and Eddie Kingston aligned with him. So, so you know, in turn, he would have been a heel as well. Um, you know, obviously Moxley needs to get his you know take as much time as he needs. Um, and I don't know if they they were w wanting him to turn heel with Moxley or or whatnot, but. Um, I still think they need to keep this going. I think um, I, I feel I felt like the best stuff wasn't seen by their widest audiences. That Punk Kingston promo was fantastic, and it was on Rampage, which yeah. is seen by like you know three quarters of the audience of Dynamite. Five hundred ninety-nine thousand people, to be exact, for that episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, you're you're doing the best stuff not in front of the, your widest audiences. I think I think they got to keep this going, and I, I and you know what I think both guys are so great here. I think Punk could kind of turn it on with because he's kind of the heel in this situation. Definitely, and he was kind of bullying Kingston, saying he wasn't in shape, stuff like that. And I think you could really, like you said, like a double turn. Even though Eddie Kingston's not really the heel right now, but um, do it where. Punk turns out to be the heel, and fans really get behind Kingston. And maybe Kingston gives Punk his first loss. I'm glad you brought up the in-shape thing, because that's another hint to me that signaled to me that they might be headed to a double turn. The finish of this match told a great story where they were both fatigued, but Eddie Kingston was just too fatigued to really continue and really just kind of stumbled into a GTS, and they made it really clear that Eddie Kingston was not in the type of shape he should have been in in order to win and finish this match. And I think this opens the door for CM Punk to start talking about, see, maybe if you were in better shape, maybe if you would have worked harder. And that's never a baby face stance to no. take to kind of no. condescend to somebody about how they're not in shape. So I think if, whether they realize it or not, people are going to continue to side with Eddie Kingston in this feud, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, and, and just for all the right reasons. I mean, this is this is he's the underdog, right? I mean, yeah. everybody knows his story now. How can you not pull for this guy, regardless of storyline? How can you not pull for this guy? And if there is any question whatsoever about, is this feud going to continue? The lack of a handshake at the end of the match tells you everything that you need to know is yeah, these guys aren't done yet. So let's see what they have for us down the road. So what was the crowd reaction by the, like at the beginning, would you say? And by the end, like, did it shift at all? Or was it pretty much the same? I would say it went back and forth between Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. And I think as the match went on, it went pro Eddie. And I, I think that might have been by design because I think CM Punk kind of looking around was he wasn't doing it in a way where he was legitimately surprised. He was doing it in that pro wrestling way, like you're going to boo me, like like trying to, trying to get him to boo more. 
Oh, so okay. I would definitely say that as it went on, Eddie Kingston got more boot, uh, more cheers. Would you say that, Chuck? Yeah, I'd say 60-40, uh, maybe 65-35 even. Uh, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Advantage Eddie here. Um, and I think that they did a good job uh, getting that across storytelling in the ring. You're absolutely right. That was 100% by design. So Nick, uh, the, the press conference is going on right now, the AEW press conference. And Nick asked Jay Lethal if he'll be at final battle, and Jay Lethal confirmed he will not be. And he also only got the call to join AEW a few days ago, so it was wow. a pretty last-minute thing. And, well, let's get uh, into we'll that. Get this to... came after the next match we'll talk about, but let's talk about it right now. Jay Lethal came in and was introduced as a member of the AEW roster. He said, I'm all elite. I, we don't have like his contract details or whatnot yet. And immediately they set up a program with him. It looks like he's going to be taking on Sammy Guevara, the AEW TNT championship. You guys excited for Jay Lethal and AEW, Raj? I am. Um, I'm a Jay Lethal fan. Um, he was a part of All In. Um Super talented guy. Felt like he never quite got his due. He never quite got the... Every time it felt like he was getting hot in TNA, something would happen, whether management changed or or whatnot. But it, it just seemed like he was starting to get some momentum and something would happen to kind of burn it out. And so um, with everything that happened with the ROH, uh, it's good to see that, um, you know, he's, he's moving on. And yeah, I... I I think uh, he did never got that chance on a real big stage, and he's finally getting that. So he's not going to be working the pay-per-view. Didn't uh, ROH just have a set of TV tapings last week? Was was he at those, do you know? Or is he just done now? I'm not sure. I mean, I know any ROH free agent is welcome to sign wherever they want. Right. Yeah. I don't so they could always right. edit him out of those tapings yeah. if, if he was there. I don't think they would do that. I mean – W yeah, what's just, the point? <laughs> I mean, no one's watching it right now anyway. As, as much as I hate to say it, ROH just feels like, uh, you know, um, you know, it's yeah. like watching the final Nitro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting. I'm going to be at that that uh, pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. It'll be really weird to see what the vibe is in the building. I don't even think tickets are moving for that thing. So that tells you like how cold that product is right now, um, which is a shame, but I am very happy for Jay lethal um, to be getting this break. I mean, this is easily the biggest promotion he's ever been in. Uh, even though he was with impact when they were, you know, substantially hotter than they are right now. Um, I don't think save, you know, maybe that New York show, he's ever been in front of a crowd this size. So I'm really happy for him to be seeing this um, so late in his career. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I don't sorry, think it's been this long in terms of, you know, how he was embedded in all in show with the elite. He was one of the prime characters. I believe they had the ROH championship match at, uh, um, at uh, all in. And he was the, one of the prime stars in terms of uh, being with the elite and so it is good to see him get this opportunity but i will say first match in against sammy guevara you're kind of like booked in the bobby fish role that you're going to be this good hand veteran working a good match you know and maybe this is how they view him in terms of being able to give sammy a good match and teach sammy or whatnot but uh I i'm very skeptical in terms of the ceiling for a jay lethal based on where they're booking him one weekend or do you have jay lethal beat sammy Hey, listen, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, it's like a star is kind of born right off the bat by doing mm -hmm. that. 
Definitely. Mm-hmm. And they do not like switching that title. They, you know, Tony Khan was very adamant about the fact that we want long title reigns, particularly with the TNT championship, because this is a title that the, the younger up and coming guys or the best wrestler right now on the roster um, is going to have. And, but if they switch it, this I would have no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I think brutal match. Yeah, and you know the AD, the TNT Championships has already switched hands. What like uh, a few times? Tw- twice this year. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, twice this year, twice last year. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a good way to kind of create a new star, um, and it it doesn't really hurt Sammy. It's not like Sammy. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be a cool thing to do. Not that Sammy gets out of the picture. You. You have that start be the start of a feud between Jay and Sammy. Maybe move Sammy away from the inner circle. I feel like the inner circle is a little cold, and uh, yeah, I, I think it it could be uh, open up a lot of possibilities if Jay Lethal won. Yep, yep. Sammy's definitely right for a, a singles run. I think that he would do just fine uh, on, on that. Um, and you're right. I, I think it would be kind of cool to see Jay Lethal get a title um, in his uh, first official match with the company. That'd be you know kind of nice and you know i do wonder though like how like what percentage of the audience was really familiar with him obviously he was over uh in the arena um but you know i I, it's it's the same thing like when when they bring in people to wwe who haven't been on wwe television yet like how familiar are they even though we who kind of live eat and breathe pro wrestling know their names and have for years we're not the average fan. So how many, how much of the AEW audience actually knows him? But even the ones that don't, they're going to get to know him and they're going to like him because this guy has a work rate that is second to none. Right. Yeah. I'm sure a, a decent amount don't know, but having him win the title on his first match, you know, saying, hey, Jay Lethal, you know, world renowned wrestler coming in, comes in, wins, they take notice right away, you know. Yeah. Um, so and there were there were lethal chance and I, I do think that AEW has kind of found success in bringing in people from different eras of ROH, which maybe that speaks to how familiar, because AEW is akin, it's always going to be linked to ROH, because All In was an ROH show with ROH guys who then went and signed with AEW, started AEW, and, you know, whether it's Adam Cole, there's rumors already about Kevin Owens, the Young Bucks, uh, Cody, and Jay Lethal slots in there as one of those premier ROH stars from a certain generation. Yeah, real quick, uh, we were talking about the ROH uh, final battle not selling well. Tina Miller saying uh, it would be like going to see ROH's death. I wouldn't want to go. Too oh. depressing. <laughs> I mean, that's be a good bad. point. It, it's not. It's probably not a fun show when you think about it. It's like the last show of the ROH as we've known it for for years and years and years. I don't think it helps that it's called Final Battle. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's bro. like Final Nail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It, yeah, I mean, ROH... I mean, it... Man, it sucks because you saw them getting so much momentum two years ago. They did the MSG show with New Japan that sold out quickly. Yeah. I mean, I know some people think it's because it sold out so quickly because people were expecting the Bucks and Omega. But whatever the case was, they, it was a co-promoted show. They were part of it. First ever show at Madison Square Garden in the modern era uh, that wasn't WWE pro wrestling show, obviously. And uh, it was just like if Sinclair had put in the money and gave a crap, maybe ROH could be closer to where AEW is now. And who Mm -hmm. knows if there would have been AEW if they did that. Yeah. But the fact that they didn't. Yeah. 
Well, look, having been a former Sinclair employee, uh, I'm just going to giggle at the fact that she said, had they put in the money, <laughs> they ain't going to do that shit. Come on, son. Uh, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the tickets that are available. So it looks like they did not put the um, uh, top level on sale at all. It looks like they have blocked off. Uh, the side of the ring where the cameras will be. So they'll be shooting across to the section that is open uh, for seating. And the floor seats appear to be sold out, man. But everything beyond that is still wide the hell open, right? So you see wow. all of that blue that's available wow. right there. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yikes. Follow WrestleTix for more in terms of the ticket movement on that. But hopefully they're able to make a final push on it. Because I really do love ROH. And it's interesting, Raj, that you bring up that there might not even be an AEW. I think there's plenty of circumstances that maybe ROH could have taken advantage of being what AEW is, especially when it comes to All In. Because if you'll remember, they just they were very magnanimous in how much they helped Cody and the Young Bucks put that show on without asking for anything in return. And I think, if they, and then, again, as a human, that's great. That's wonderful. But if they would have been a little more cynical, like, we are not helping you do anything unless you sign something uh, maybe we're talking about ROH versus WWE but there's a lot of missteps along the way yeah if first. Sinclair put in the money and they're like okay we'll pay whatever it takes to get Omega Cody the Young Bucks under contract does AEW happen if they did that no no no, no. and and remember I mean ROH's biggest show was built on you know, the backs of, of Kenny, people assumed that he was going to be at the MSG show, assumed the same thing for the Bucks, Cody. None of those guys were actually there. People assumed that they were. That's why the Garden sold out. If it was known that they weren't going to be there, I don't think that the Garden would have come close to selling out. You know, so ROH, man. Very interesting. Very well, let's man. get into our last two matches. We have the Inner Circle versus American Top Team. Uh, we get, uh, so this is a, kind of similar to the match that they had earlier in terms of a lot of plunder, tables, whatnot. We get some showcase spots from Junior Dos Santos, who hits the suplex, an impressive backflip on Chris Jericho. The story is the cat and mouse between Dan Lambert and Chris Jericho. I felt like what the crowd was into more than anything was seeing Dan Lambert get his comeuppance. Lambert would come in when he felt Chris Jericho was prone and then run away from him when Chris Jericho would come too. Uh, there was a pretty sizable botch toward the end where Jericho's going for the lion salt and uh, JDS Junior Dos Santos is supposed to interrupt it, but I think he just missed his spot, which caused Jericho to scream, Junior! <laughs> to kind of get him to wake up and do his spot. And so that happened and it was pretty close to the finish. Finish came when Jericho hit the frog splash in tribute to Eddie Guerrero on Dan Lambert, won the match. I think it was the right finish. It was the right team won. I would say this, you know, we kind of hinted it toward it earlier. This was on the weaker side in terms of all the matches on this show, Raj. Yeah, I mean, but it, I did think the ending made up for it. You know, doing yes. the Eddie spot, looking up. Um, I got a little emotional when he was doing that. Um, it's hard to believe it's been 16 years. It's And people remember Eddie, even in this day and age where people move on so quickly from things that he still remembered so fondly and so uh, vividly. Um, yeah, I, I, I got emotional at the end of that. But I thought... Outside of that, I thought this match kind of sucked. It was, in, in a lot of ways, it was one of the worst AEW pay-per-view matches they've had. You know, the explosion death thing was sucked because of that, the finish, you know, the, the bomb not going off. But uh, outside of that, I thought this was, this was the worst. Boy, I got some notes on this one. 
I got some notes, and they are not positive, gentlemen. They are not positive. Uh, so, yeah, Junior Dos Santos, I actually started with a good note uh, for him. I was standing uh, Moonsault Press. Okay, impressive. And that's where the good stuff ends. All right, so um, you just mentioned about Jericho having to, you know, be like, hey, get your ass together, man. Get, you know, the spot here. But, like, he was just wandering haphazardly outside the ring throughout the match. Like, there was one specific instance where uh, I forget who it was that was being pinned, and he's just on the outside kind of like, la da 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 No, man, you go in there and you break that cover up, man. Like, come on, dude. I know that this is kind of new to you, but this is 101. Lambert was out there with him, too. Lambert's been watching wrestling. But he doesn't even watch pro wrestling. Why do you put so many... you got two people you're putting in this match that have never wrestled, and you're putting them in this spot where... You can you can teach them what to do when they're in the ring, but they don't really know what to do when they're not involved. I think that I mean that's their mistake, you know. You know, Junior Dos Santos admittedly is not a pro wrestling fan. I thought that he had interest in in maybe trying it, uh, you know, like exploring it as a career opportunity. Now I don't know. After tonight, I'm not sure that that's the best move for him. But whatever. Um, also. Uh, different note, Aubrey Edwards, the referee shouldn't be holding the ladder for a guy when he's yeah. going to do a swan on. Like, yeah. come on. What was like that? Like, all right, safety first, but Jesus, you, you have so many other teammates there. Like, come on. How hard would it be to have somebody else hold the ladder? Uh, that said, that was a nice swan to him. Um, and then the the one thing, though, that did make me laugh really hard was the fact that they had to explain you know, the history lessons behind all the weapons were created in Minnesota. Friggin' Tony Schiavone talking about the bunt cake pan being made there in the 1940s. Like, who saw that coming, right? Uh, who gives who a flying hell? shit? <laughs> who, who saw that? I mean, I was like, did that seriously just come out of his mouth? I laughed my ass off. I haven't been able to fact check him. Uh, so, chat room, if you could check uh, where the bunt cake was invented, uh, please please do that now. Uh, but damn, I mean, the match itself, eh, but whatever. Can't I will say about the commentary. The commentary I thought was very amusing, but I do think it took away from this match because they were playing it like this was a comedy match, which the go-home angle for this match I thought was very good. It was a heat segment with the heels beating the crap out of the baby faces. They were not playing that for comedy, even though there have been some funny parts leading up to this. But I do think that the commentators kind of undermined it by really make it, it seemed like they were taking this match off, to be honest. I, one thing that really bugged me on Dynamite um... – when they did the Dan Lambert, Chris Jericho thing was Dan Lambert. He's older, out of shape. Um, or no, not out of shape, but he's not a very athletic looking dude. Putting Jericho through a table. Now, in wrestling, you're being taught that you got to do a move with such force that it goes, it puts them through the table. And he did this powerbomb in slow motion and he went through the table. It would have been way better if the table didn't break. You know. Because it shows that you have to actually have force to put someone through a table. Or basically just pushing someone lightly puts them through a table is what Dan Lambert did. So, I don't know. That really bugged me. Um, anyway. Uh, but I thought Dan Lambert, you know, I like some of his stuff here and there. I, I think he's very good at what he does. Um Lately, he's turned too much into pro wrestling heel. He, he's like Jimmy Hart out there now, as opposed to um, an MMA guy who doesn't like what he sees. Right. 
And um, I don't know. I, this match, I could if they had cut this match out completely, it would have been better because the pay per view would have moved more smoothly. I think. I thought this match sucked. Yep. <laughs> yeah, not the best match. You can argue the worst match of the show, really. Oh, I thought by far. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm checked out on the match and even this conversation. Uh, the bunt cake was invented uh, <laughs> in 1950. But oh. it was, in fact, invented uh, in Minnesota. So right, Tony so. Schiavone half lied. So, yeah, well, now there is a little bit of controversy, right? The Washington Post says the 1946 somewhere in that ballpark, but the first pan itself uh, wasn't pressed until 1950. So I don't know why it took four years to invent or, or perfect something so simple, uh, but I'm going with 1950 just to stick it to Schiavone. Okay, so I don't want, I don't mean to be that guy, but what's a bunt cake? That's the pan. It is. Well, yes. well, the bunt cake is not the pan. There is a bunt cake pan, uh, and that is the. It's like a circular pan. Uh, I believe that it's got like some like ridges on the outside, and then like you you put the cake uh, in, okay, you bake gotcha. it, and then you flip it, and the, it comes out, and it's kind of a cool thing. That's a bunt cake. It's quite tasty. Uh, the old fat Chuck used to enjoy the hell out of some bunt cakes. I think I know what a bunt cake is now. I think about it. Let me pull up. It's like a pineapple cake, right? Where it's it's got the. It's a form of a bun cake. It kind of looks like that, but yeah, you got the right idea. Okay, gotcha. So check out Minnesota. So they're responsible for Prince, the Mall of America, and the bun cake. Who would have thought? Hot damn! Bunt Here you go. There's your bun cake. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what. That's delicious. Well, uh, we're almost done with this. We, we learn something right new every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that looks delicious. Uh, let's get to the main event, everybody. <laughs> Kenny Omega versus Heyman Adam Page in the state that gave us the bun cake. We get these two <laughs> gentlemen giving us a very sweet match. That uh, here, well, the first thing I noticed about this was Kenny Omega trolling Hangman Adam Page with his gear. Did you guys notice this? Kenny Omega pretty much wearing identical gear to Hangman Adam Page, not to what he was wearing on this night, but the way his gear was stylized was very similar to Hangman Adam Page. Uh, this was the, what stood out to me about this match was everybody was behind Hangman Adam Page. Everybody was against Omega. I, I, I've been a little burnt out with these split reactions. Let's go this guy. Let's go that. It's almost Pavlovian at this point. We saw it all across the show, but not with this. They were all for Hangman Adam Page winning this match. Don Callis would get involved. we get an F Don Callis chant. Um, the, the, there was a ref bump in this match. A rare ref bump on Paul Turner, which brought out Aubrey uh, Edwards. And this is where it got pretty interesting in that the Young Bucks came down. And on Rampage, uh, there was a segment between Heyman and Adam Page and the Young Bucks where he said, if you get involved in this match, I will ruin you. So they brought that up. Young Bucks licking their wounds, coming down. But they don't do a damn thing. Heyman and Adam Page hits two buckshot lariats on Kenny Omega, one from behind, one in front. Matt Jackson nods in approval. And Heyman and Adam Page is your new babyface AEW World Champion for now. He celebrated with the Dark Order. Uh, we can get into some of the other spots here. There were a lot of them. Kenny, I mean, Adam Page did hit a um, one-winged angel at one point on Kenny Omega that Omega kicked out of. But I thought this was an incredible match, an incredible ending uh, to what I thought was a good show and a show that was, I believe, it was elevated by the fact that it had such a strong main event, which is what you want in a pay-per-view. And uh, what did you guys think of this match? We'll start with you, Chuck. Uh, chat room, rate it out of five stars. I'd be curious to get your thoughts. I'm giving this one, I'm going to give this one 4.75 out of five. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this thing uh, start to finish. Um, and I, I just, I want to take the 10,000 foot view of this. I don't want to dissect the match. I want to take the 10,000 foot view. 
we knew that it was going to be a good match going in. Absolutely met expectations, perhaps then some a little bit. I am intrigued as hell as to where they are going with Hangman Page. Is he turning heel or are the Bucks going face? Because it's got to be one out of the two, right? That nod was everything at the end. And that tied the match together so well. It had a little bit of intrigue there to go with winning the championship. Is Omega being cast off now? Like, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I'm heavily invested in this storyline. Like, I loved everything about it. This was such a good finish. Uh, I don't I don't know where they're going with this. I, I think because you have Dan- Danielson waiting in the wings and he's a baby face, you got to make Paige uh, the heel here. But I don't know. I don't know. Are the Bucks going face? Like, I don't know. You guys tell me. Is it too soon for the Bucks to turn face? They, I feel like they just turned heel like not that long ago. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it is intriguing. Like, it, there's so many different ways they can go. I like the storyline. This is one of those cases where a storyline has really made a guy into a superstar with Hangman Page because Hangman Page is not the strongest promo still. Um, and. So far with AEW, all the main event guys outside of Hangman have are all strong promos. They can really hold their own on the mic. Uh, and it just shows like this storyline and the way they built it and th- the way they got the fans behind Hangman. It's been fantastic. And the payoff, they paid it off like they should. Uh, they did the predictable thing, which a lot of times that's the best thing. It, it's better to not feel like you have to go a different route because it's predictable. Because sometimes... The predictable thing is the best thing for a story. And I thought this was great. Um, yeah, I'd go four and a half. Um, it's rare that you see a long-term storyline paying off in this day and age in wrestling. And they did it tonight. So yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I got a question for you guys. There was a spot in the match where the referee got knocked out. And Paige had the match won. And then another referee ran down and, and you know started to count one, two, and then kick out. Right before three. Rock and Triple H used to do that spot a lot. But has that spot ever had the referee actually making the three count? Where a referee runs down because the other referee's out and and runs in and makes an actual three count. I don't think it's ever happened. I have a really good memory with this stuff. I don't think it's ever happened. People in the chat, let me know. (laughs) What's that? Talk about burying a guy if it did happen. Like, man, you couldn't, uh, they gave you a couple extra seconds and you couldn't kick out? But that's a good question. Well, they did that with Booker T at WrestleMania. Oh, well, yeah, that was Already. a whole different scenario where Triple H flexing his muscles. I still haven't gotten over that one. Oh, that one just still drives me nuts. Egregious. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember any time where mm-hmm. that's happened, where the referee runs in when another referee's out and actually counts to three uh, as soon as they get it. No, no, it I might be remember. like a maybe a guest referee. I could see that a guest referee came in and counted really fast, but like that, Mike Tyson, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but that particular spot that you're talking about, uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I might have to go and do some research, that might be another developing story. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, real quick, Chuck, to your question, uh, how people rate this match, a lot of high marks, Garris saying 4.25, Cleve saying 4.9. 4.5, 4.6. This is the low one. King Mike. Saying, King Mike. That's a heelish rating, man. <laughs> five. 4.3. So, yeah. some, And then uh, Muhammad saying 4.5. So, 
Yeah, I, I graded this match uh, on a scale of fictional cowboys, and I gave it a Rufus Buck from Harder They Fall, which is a phenomenal heel. Uh, Idris Alba, Rufus Buck does a great job. That's about a nine out of ten. Uh, but this match is almost perfect for me. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, and uh, do you guys see how gassed we were talking about the the running for the ref? Do you see how gassed Aubrey was when she got to the ring? I mean, oh, yeah. she was like full on Usain Bolt coming down the ramp, like chugging, getting there. Um, so yeah, she was gas. So kind of made up for holding the ladder in the previous match, but, uh, still whatever. Yeah. Just a good, good, good ending to the pay-per-view. My yes. God, was that a good ending? I mean, I, I need to rewatch it with the crowd noise. So. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it, it yeah. might, it might uh, take down a little bit for you, but I love the fact that it's kind of a classic storytelling in terms of a pay-per-view, how it's constructed. I know a lot of people try to steal the show at a pay-per-view and that's cool when that happens, but this was more classic to where it slowly built to its biggest match and its biggest match was its best match. It goes off the air and I think people were really happy and that's going to really change how you perceive the pay-per-view as a whole. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, people would criticize WWE for years for not starting with the least, anticipated match and then build 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 uh with the bigger match bigger match bigger match and i feel like AEW is starting to do more of the wwe model where you start with, mm-hmm. off with a hot match kind of cool down a little bit because that inner circle match that's what wwe would do is you put in the least consequential match before the main event not another one of your your main matches so yeah anyway i i, I thought it was uh i thought this was a well-paced show I could have done without the inner circle match completely, but oh god, I, I forgot to mention this when we we're talking about the inner circle and, and oh, the yeah. things that sucked. Uh, Baron von Raschke, uh, he was there. Love Baron von Raschke. We were talking about the powers pain earlier in the watch along uh, that night. He was the manager of them for a few minutes, but an eighty-five-year-old man or whatever, however old he is. Putting the claw on, how old is Ethan Page? Probably like 24, 25? Late 20s, I think. And him selling it. I hate it. Any company when they do that. When a really young guy has to sell a move. I know it gets a nice pop. But it just makes, then you're just telling the the fans that, oh yeah, this is all just a show. Everything's bullshit. And we're going to have fun. He should not be selling that. Yeah, they years touted years. his credentials before they did that. Remember, they showed him in the crowd. They listed him as one of the greatest of all time. So at least they built him up to not just be some random old guy in the crowd. Um, You're so. not going to have um, a, a, someone from the 1960 Bulls dunking on LeBron James just to give a, you know, a, a feel-good moment. We're not going to get Bill Cartwright posting up LeBron James? I don't know. <laughs> Did we just have a Bill Cartwright reference? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that's a I name I haven't it. heard in a minute. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you know you're not going to have Larry Holmes come in and punch out, gosh, Tyson Fury. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that is that is one of those moments, and that's what makes wrestling unique. Is that there are moments where you really have to suspend your disbelief, and especially a lot of what AEW does. You know, you could say that about WWE, but I just saw a match with a bunch of Ghostbusters in it, and in order for me to enjoy the match, I had to suspend the belief that okay, these are grown men wearing costumes, but I was able to get into it by doing that. Uh, but a spot like this, I think, is a little more egregious in terms of if you're trying to book these again, men of the year, tough shooters. You know, that's yeah. the, the character, and they're doing this kind of wacky spot that might. 
turn some people off. I could definitely see that. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the Ghostbuster stuff too. I, I, I'm fine with it if it's not for, with main eventers. Sure. Uh, but when it's your top guys, I just feel like, and, and that's supposed to be like a real feud. Uh, I, I I didn't like it. I, I it's fun, and again, do it for the lower level card guys. It's still better than that zombie match that they had in WWE a while back. <laughs> no God. Just saying. Yeah, I, if you listen to the, the podcast I did on that, I I went off quite a bit on that. But at least that one wasn't a main event. Yeah, yeah that was. I guess they did do a zombie zombies at ringside for one of the takeover the the Halloween Havoc last year, but I didn't like that either. Yeah, less zombies in wrestling. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of zombies in wrestling. Uh, Stellar Justin Lopez, a good friend of ours, saying little nitpick, but I hate that everyone has the same pyro in AEW. Every character should have specific elements to match their appearance. To that, I'll say they did have the video entrances for Hangman Page tonight with him riding the horse downtown Minneapolis and uh, the Darby Allen video. So they do do some stuff. That is something that they're taking from Nitro era WCW because that's how that was. Uh, uh, outside of like that one time Kevin Nash got all that like spectacular display that has become a viral kind of video. But in WCW, that was one of my problems with WCW is that everybody seemed to get the same pyro. And WWE, you know, Shawn Michaels had that iconic pyro that went back and forth. Kane had his pyro out of the corners. And everybody, Jericho had the big explosion. Everybody seemed to have specific pyro. Pretty unique. Like and Sid had the, the Sid. Yes, his name. His he name come up, yeah. Warrior had his mask as a pyro. Like they, I think Randy Orton always had great pyro where it would just kind of shower down. So they could get more creative with the pyro. That's a great nitpick. I don't think that's a nitpick. I think that's a legit point. I wonder yeah. if it's a budget thing, though, right? Because you know that the more you customize it, the more the cost of that is going to go up. And I'm not sure that um, they're ready to invest more yet in production. Um, so I don't know. That's that's just kind of my my thought there. But I do think that that is an excellent point. You know, I have a question for you guys, too, regarding the Hangman video. Don't you think he should have done something at the end of the video, like thrown a brick at the yes. arena or something explosive? Uh, come out on a horse? Like, you know, it's like, remember that WrestleMania entrance with John Cena where he's driving around? It was Detroit. I think it was WrestleMania yeah. 23 when he faced Shawn Michaels. So they're doing the backstage thing when he's driving the car, and then he drives a car to the arena. It would have been a bit of a letdown if we're seeing this awesome car, and he just walks out. And I thought... That was my problem with it. I thought he was going to be on there with another horse and do a little bit more with that. Yeah, yeah. that would have been cool. Something. That's nitpick, though, man. That's, that's, a, that's a little yeah, thing. Sure. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're getting to the nitpick areas of this pay per view. Maybe we need to wrap up the podcast. But <laughs> all in all, I did. I think we enjoyed the pay per view. That's good. Another it was awesome pay per view. And I like the fact that AEW has now established this kind of area where they're. Pretty much all the pay-per-views are going to be good. They're going to be worth the price of admission. So maybe grading it based on the other great pay-per-views isn't fair to AEW, but they've established a high, high, high bar. Shout out to NYC Demon Diva. She was on the pay-per-view tonight. They're live. I hear that she got on camera. So that's yeah, awesome. she was on camera. Singing Judas. Nice. She was on the show. We're, I, we, we, I popped. I was like, ah, Issa. <laughs> <laughs> Looks super happy to be there. It, sound, it looked like you guys were having a great time. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait till they come out to California. I've been hearing some rumors, but whenever AW's ready to come out to our neck of the woods, I think it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, that's AEW. So any final thoughts before we wrap up this podcast? Uh, let's start with you, Chuck, and then we'll wrap up with our esteemed Raj. 
Final thoughts. Again, exceeded my expectation, and damn, am I curious to see what happens on Wednesday. I mean, I absolutely love it when there's a like a good, clean ending to a pay-per-view that still has intrigue to make you want to tune into the next show. That is something that is ultra rare at this day and age, and AEW absolutely freaking nailed it with this one. So, yeah, fantastic job, Tony Khan and company. Fantastic. Raj? Awesome show, and uh, right after this is done, you can catch the AEW Media Scrum uh, on our, live on our YouTube channel. Uh, Nick is recording it. Um, great show. Um, fantastic job. I think AEW, their ratings have been falling. I think the thing they need to do, they're, they're probably going to get a bump coming off this pay-per-view. Start putting a couple big matches here and there. Uh, yeah, you know, Brian Dan- Danielson just wrestling is not... A draw or CM Punk just wrestling, it it might be a bigger draw than someone else, but you need to start uh, doing making the the shows a, a little more loaded, at least you know something because I I, I want to see them ride this wave of momentum and not drop the momentum because I feel like the momentum is kind of fading away, and I think coming off this pay per view, build on it and get to the next level. Absolutely. And this is, I'm very interested to see what they're doing with their main event storyline because I think there's a question as to where they're going. Um, is Hangman a page, a page of heel? Is he going to be a babyface? But I think that's good that this top storyline has now captivated people. And before we got there, uh, I want to echo King Mike's sentiments of where AEW should come to California. Yes, come to Compton. Please come to Compton, the unique, uh, the unique uh, event center. It will be very good for AEW. Not too far from me. Come to Compton. How, how big is it? How big is it? It's not that big. It's a banquet hall. But uh, <laughs> I, it'll probably be somewhere like, uh, you know, the. I don't think SoFi. SoFi is huge, so that would be more pay-per-view. Yeah. But the forum yeah, WrestleMania be, is. They yeah, just that's WrestleMania in two years. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. So AEW will be all over the country. For Chuck Carroll, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. For Raj Geary, at Raj Geary, underscore 303. I am Alfred Cunnawa, at This Is Nasty. We will see you all next week, uh, Monday, for Raw. You guys are going to be covering that. So good night, everybody. Thank you for joining the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.